Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Careers Advice Podcast, bringing you insights into the world of work. In this series, I'll be talking to experts from across our business to give you practical tips and advice on careers. I'm your host, John Beasley from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. Deciding to work abroad is a big decision and one that should not be taken lightly. Factors such as learning a new language and cultural differences make individuals skeptical about moving overseas. However, getting a job abroad can open up an array of opportunities. In this podcast, we are joined by Adrian Jones, Business Director at Hayes Global Link Asia. Adrian has moved his career from Japan to the City of London and offers expert insight into making an international move. So we're here to talk about working abroad today. How could an international move boost a candidate's career? What are the key benefits of working abroad? For instance, does international experience increase employability? Well, talking from my own personal experience, I lived in Japan for 20 years and I'm now running our Global Link Asia team, helping people return home to Asia or relocate over there. Here at Global Link, we're supporting people moving and returning to Japan, uh, mainland China, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Malaysia, as well as Australia and New Zealand. We're established to identify and engage with overseas talent for our clients in those locations and can start the job search process for individuals whilst they're still here. I'd say there's a couple of obvious ways it will boost your career. Firstly, I think an international move will really show your adaptability and tenacity, as well as your comfortability around taking risk, which hiring managers always want to see examples of. Living overseas, you'll need to adjust to living in a different country, a different culture, and also sometimes professionally, there are maybe subtle, uh, sometimes huge differences in the market dynamics and details of the work. Could you uh, give us some examples there? Yes, I mean, a simple, it's just a simple example. The duties and responsibilities of the role uh, may be the same or very similar, but the market forces or local issues may be very different, uh, meaning the challenges of the role are completely different. Adapting to all of this will definitely boost your future employability and will really show your strength of character. Secondly, I think in ever-increasingly global world, Being experienced in multiple markets and having wider experience in your specialist field will enrich your CV and give you more strings to your bow for your future career. It will show you as being more worldly and give you a wider perspective on things, which is often required for those more senior level roles covering regional or global responsibilities that may come up later in your career. I should add a caveat to all this that it will depend on what you do. And in some cases, it might not actually be a benefit or a boost to your employability at all. But for me, though, the biggest benefit of working abroad, and I can say this personally, is that it's just fun to experience. It's highly interesting and stimulating both professionally, as well as in relation to the actual daily life challenges that you'll need to overcome and experience. It can also potentially single you out in the future with some clear, unique selling points versus your competitors for future roles. 
So for those listeners of ours that have taken all those points that you've just mentioned into consideration and would like to work abroad, uh, what would you say are the three most important things that they should uh, consider before they start searching for that role? It's hard to narrow it down to just three things for such a big decision in your life. But I'd say firstly, know which country you want to work in and why. And make sure you understand that country culturally, socially, as well as professionally. And that includes knowing about the lifestyle and the cost of living. In Global Link, we sometimes get people uh, asking us, saying to us, you know, I want to work abroad, but they don't really know where they want to work or why. So definitely they need some further research. Secondly, clearly be able to describe and explain your strongest cross-transferable skills. That will be useful and marketable in that country. And check that those skills are actually needed in the country. And finally, make sure you are as flexible as possible in everything in terms of interests and demands, package, etc., in order to be considered a viable candidate for that overseas market. And Jonathan, if I were to add a fourth one, it would be to make sure you research the visa situation first. For some countries, you'll need to have this sorted out before you start applying for roles. For some countries, you'll need to get the job first. So there's a lot of considerations to take on board before you, uh, you know, take that next step. So once, say, our listeners have thought about all these points, how can job seekers then go about finding a job abroad? And how does it differ to searching for a role in, uh, in your home country? Well, like with any job search, I like the phrase, uh, Google's your best friend, which I've heard on another uh, Hayes podcast. You need to research to find a real expert recruiter in your field and industry in that country. Uh, You can do this by looking for jobs online in your area, talking to friends who've done a similar move or talking to anyone you know in that country. Then reach out to them and start the dialogue regarding your interest for opportunities in your field in that country, making sure that you're well prepared about your knowledge of the country as best you can, as you want to make sure uh, you make a good, strong first impression with a consultant, whilst uh, also coming across as flexible and open to their consultation. As to the second part of your question regarding uh, what will differ in a different country, I think one thing is that uh, unless you tick all the boxes for a role or have a particular in-demand skill set for a niche role, you'll probably be at a disadvantage competing with locally based candidates. So it's imperative that you're as flexible as possible on all matters, as well as doing everything you can to become the most desirable candidate. Being open and flexible is key in working with the agent and when talking to the potential employer. A lot of uh, the time when you're actually uh, interviewing for roles while out of the country, um, it will have to be by phone or Skype. And that's really different to uh, face-to-face interviews. It's much harder to build a rapport. And in addition, don't expect an expat package or relocation packages. Uh, It doesn't happen much these days and it's much rarer. Actually, it also makes you less desirable by virtue of the increased cost. Of course, you can ask, probably uh, best to direct this to the agent, but don't expect it. And certainly ask in a positive way so as to not give uh, a negative impression. Most candidates know that they should be tailoring their CV to the role that they're applying for. But are there any other considerations or changes that they should make when applying for a job abroad? 
Yes, it's probably even more vital when applying from overseas to have a CV tailored to the role. I'd also advise to include anything relevant to that particular market, any uh, projects or customers related to that country, any examples of work experience there or anywhere else uh, overseas uh, in related markets, uh, including business trips and, and other things that demonstrate your adaptability, as well as your capability and track record overseas. Definitely get advice from a local recruiter regarding the CV style. For example, uh, interestingly, in Japan, there are three different versions that you sometimes need, an English version and uh, two completely different Japanese versions. Before this, ensuring you know about work rights and the visa process is also vital. For some countries, as I've already mentioned, like uh, Australia and Singapore, you'll need typically need the visa to be sorted out before you start your search. In some instances, companies will provide visa assistance for certain niche skill sets. For other countries, uh, you do the search and secure the job, and then the company will then sponsor you. And definitely make sure you've actually been to the country before, that you like it, love it, uh, and have compelling reasons and motivations for going. On a related issue, be aware of the difference in timing. The process, the interview process might take uh, longer due to the difficulties in scheduling interviews and the time differences. So make sure you can be as flexible as possible with your availabilities. It might mean taking an early morning or a late evening call. Skype or the equivalent is always better than a phone for building rapport and understanding the chemistry. So that means, you know, especially being in a, in a really quiet private place. Now, you just mentioned telephone interviews and, and, or Skype interviews. Obviously, the prospect of uh, attending an interview uh, for a job abroad presents different challenges than when you're in your home country. What should candidates be most aware of and how can they best prepare? To start off with, for some job types, it's simply just not possible to interview remotely or, or from overseas as clients will feel they have plenty of uh, locally based candidates. So they'll be highly negative towards overseas candidates knowing they've got a, a good choice already. In those areas where they will interview overseas candidates, uh, where it's a candidate short market or particularly niche, or there's a, a big demand or an increased need for resources, they will be prepared to do phone and Skype interviews for the first round or first rounds. But it's usually expected the, for the candidates to do um, a final interview face to face or final stages within the country. Um, and often it's expected that the candidate will cover the costs themselves, though always ask the agent on this. And some countries like Australia, there probably won't be many cases where they will start interviewing you until you actually physically get there. Sometimes uh, the company may have an office in the same country as you're in, and they might ask you to do a face-to-face -face interview there or via a video conferencing, but that's not always the case. In those uh, circumstances, if you do decide to fly over to the country for the final interview uh, or interviews, work closely with the agency to try to get other interview processes arranged so you can maximize your time there uh, and increase your chances of success. And definitely try to meet the recruiter first to do the, the final prep when you're over there. 
And um, for phone and Skype interviews, yeah, you do have to work doubly hard to build the rapport with the interviewer. And uh, you can do this by having some well-planned questions which show your research and positivity towards the company and role, as well as your understanding of their position. Also, in addition to the usual advice regarding how to prepare for the interview that's been covered in other podcasts, there's some specific advice we provide for doing phone or Skype interviews. So make sure you're very well prepared and have practiced this style of interview if you haven't done so before. Thanks for the uh, plug to our uh, other podcast as well. <laughs> I, uh, I will encourage people to, to go and check those out. Some good uh, stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. So once the candidate has accepted the job offer, what are the key things that you would recommend they do to ensure their transition is a success? Firstly, if you don't already hold one, make sure you're aware of how the visa application process will work and who will be responsible for it. And make sure you get all the necessary uh, documents ready as soon as possible. You don't want anything to delay your starting date. Secondly, do as much research on the country you're going to be moving to. Uh, you should have done this already before you decided this was your target country. However, it's good to do again now it's all becoming real. Work with the agent and the new company about things they want you to study, research, learn, so that uh, you can make a strong first impression during your onboarding. Next, I'd say go through your affairs such as company, accommodation, bank, etc., to take care of finishing up your personal affairs in your current country of domicile and get started on things straight away. Don't prevaricate as you'll be surprised how quickly things come around. Similarly, list up what you need to do and learn regarding your new country. Draw up a list of contacts you'll need to get, such as uh, real estate agents, contacts in the new company, the agency, etc as well as researching on good locations to live to make it an easy commute to the new workplace. Look at the, the best banks for that country, uh, shipping companies, uh, schools, pet relocation, I had to deal with that, and tax specialists. And finally, use LinkedIn to connect with people living there now and in the company. Check first with HR or the hiring manager just in case. And join any relevant forums or groups to give you advice on the move and to pick up hints and tips. The Global Link team have all lived there in those countries where we are recruiting for. So we have experience in those locations and are happy to share our personal advice and information to help you make the transition a success. Thanks for your insights there, Adrian. More often than not, I imagine expats will eventually want to return home at some stage. What are the key signs that they are ready to do so? And how can they successfully transition back to life and work in their home country once, once they've been working abroad for a certain amount of time? I imagine you've got personal experience of this as well. Yeah, and, and this is a very personal one. I think everyone's different. For me personally, I, I'd lived in Japan for 20 years and, and uh, I, mean, I still love the country very much. Um, but just felt it was the right time for me to come home. Uh, I still consider Japan my home too. It's a different reason for everyone. Uh, it could be personal or family related. It could be a, a visa expiring, loss of job. It could be uh, political driven, economics driven. It could be career motivated. There are many possible reasons why, why someone would be um, uh, uh, leaving and returning. 
I just say be honest with yourself. Uh, make sure you move before things become negative. That's usually the, the key sign that you should have uh, already left. Leave for positive reasons. Also, remember that nothing has to be forever. And also that you don't have to make any big decisions now. Just because you're looking at opportunities back home or considering it as an option, you're just looking, just checking out the job market back home. That investigation might help you decide it's a, a good time to return home as there are good opportunities back home, but it might equally reveal the opposite. Excellent. Thank you very much. We just got one more question. This is one that we ask all our podcast guests. If you were to give one piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? Yeah, it took a long time to think about this. There were so many, uh, so many options. Have fun and enjoy what you do. Sounds simple and obvious, right? I think if you enjoy your job and the environment and the people you work with, you'll generally do a better job and you'll be more successful. And if you're more successful, you'll have more fun. That's so true. We spend so much time at work that you've got to enjoy, you know, you've got to enjoy what, what you do. Thank you so much. It's been excellent having you as a guest on our podcast and thanks for all your insights. I've no doubt that our listeners will uh, find that extremely useful when they're uh, weighing up their options and considering a move abroad. My pleasure. Thank you. If you found this advice useful, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at Hayes dot com.